thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is episode number 30 of Coaching Connections. On today's episode, we have a state champion in the house, Coach Treva Corrales of Judson High School. And we also have one of her former assistants from that Judson staff, Coach Nia Toru, who is the head coach at Samuel Clemens High School. Both outstanding individuals. I really appreciated our conversation today. I hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as I did. This is episode 30, Coach Corrales, Coach Toru. Let's get after it. So how's everything going with you? I don't think that we've ever met. No, ma'am. I've seen you speak a couple times, but um, never officially met. Everything's good. Uh, I mean, just trying to trying to survive and not, you know, not get sick, stay healthy, and and try to plan out what could possibly happen for the season. I mean. Yeah. And well, Nia is always late. That's a trademark. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not going to judge her. There she is. Oh, like, she ain't working. She just drove up to work to pretend. Hey, don't judge me here. No Let judgment. <laughs> no, she needed a, a break and a break from the house, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you probably did. <laughs> Rodney Clark. Yeah. He, him, and I, uh, we call each other twin. Uh, yeah. Not a lot of people know this, but we. We were assistants at the same time, and then we became head coaches at the same time. And uh, we had, like, the same record, and we're finishing the same place, like, three, four years in a row. And then I went to state, he went to state, and then that started. It was just – it's just been the craziest deal. He probably would have won it, too, this year. You know, I think so. I think so. Um, When we refer to each other, we call each other twin. (laughs) A lot of parallels in y'all's career. That's crazy. I had no idea. Yeah. You have cowboy boots just like them? I always, I always give them. I do. I live, on, I live on a ranch, so I definitely do. We have a lot in common. I saw you posted a picture of some new boots that you wanted to get or something yesterday. <laughs> I had yeah, a good part Rodney? time. Rodney? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah, those are probably like $3,000 boots he wants. <laughs> they look like it. I, I'm not messing with that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's let's talk a little bit about COVID. How has this whole COVID situation changed your daily routine? What have you been doing since it kind of hit to stay busy, uh, stay active, stay sane? And what what have you been up to? We'll go near. Okay. Get the baby. <laughs> oh my goodness! So my daughter just turned one. So right when COVID hit and we were on lockdown, we she started trying to walk. <laughs> and so now she's walking and she's climbing and everything and everything goes in her mouth. And so she's been taking up most of my time and, you know, basketball had just ended for us. Well, you know, basketball season. And, <laughs> and um, I didn't realize how much time I wasn't spending with her. And then I went from like zero to like having her all the time and stay at home. Mom is not the job for me. <laughs> Um, but also I've been trying to read and listen. I have to do a lot of listening to people talk because I have to be able to keep my eyes on her. Um, but, um, listening to clinics and things like that. Um, we also, in our neighborhood, we have like a lot of green space. So we go walk out there. We take the kids cause my sister and I live together with my mom. Um, and she has a three year old too. So we take the kids out, we ride bikes, um, we now have a jungle gym or a park in the backyard, as, as Kira calls it. Yeah. So, um, but we try to get outside as much as we can so they can get some fresh air as well. So, that's good though too. You have your sister and your and your mom there um, during us, where a lot of a lot of us are kind of you know, isolated from a lot of people that we normally see. So, it's uh, I'm sure 
uh, it's great. And also, you, I mean, when you're around somebody so much, you probably drive each other crazy. Yes, we do. <laughs> but we're close, so it works out. Good deal. And Coach? Um, well, for me, I think I'm the only one that benefited from this whole COVID because <laughs> <laughs> right after the season, um, it was the week after state, uh, I had knee surgery, had a total knee replacement. So I was laid up and in bed while everybody's freaking out and I'm enjoying sipping my tea, trying to recover. So um, it worked out perfect for me. Um, And then now that I'm up and moving, I I do live on some some land and I have cattle and it's just like never ending. There's always something to do out here and it's wide open spaces. It's, you know, I don't have the, the hectic, um, you know, life of living in the city. And so I'm a little bit on the outskirts. So I enjoy my time and I mean, it's peaceful. I'm able to read, I'm able to do everything I want to do um, to try to get through this as mentally sane as possible, you know, Mm because I know I do miss my kids tremendously. Yeah, for sure. So, so you have cattle. That's interesting. So I guess during the season and when we get real busy, how does that work? Well, you know, Marcus, they kind of feed themselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're, they're great lawnmowers, uh, but, you know, they do get fed. And I also have a whole bunch of – I had this bright idea of getting a couple of cats to kind of clean up any gophers or snakes or whatever may be out here. And I've never had cats before. And – Someone might be like, well, duh, but those two cats turned into about like 11 or 13 cats. Oh, wow. so I have a cat farm and I have like four dogs and cows and uh, yeah, I got my hands full. So if you want a cat, let me know. <laughs> I'm okay. We're dog people. I got two masters. And it's, it's enough for me. <laughs> gotcha. So um, your childhood, where did, where did you ladies grow up? You know, did you have any influences early on in your life that kind of push you towards wanting to be a coach or an educator? You go first. Okay. Um, I knew since I was in middle school that uh, I wanted to be a coach at a very young age. Uh, I was ultra competitive. Um, You know, I I grew up with my brother around and we'd play outside and we had a goal in the backyard and we'd play with all the other guys. I was always the only girl and they toughened me up and I was super competitive. And then when I went to middle school, you know, I'm sure a lot of people know this, but I was coached by Coach Camacho. And um, I wanted at the time to be a coach. And then when I met her, I knew even more so, like, that's all I ever wanted. So um, I had those aspirations really, really young. And it never changed for me. I know sometimes kids go to college and they change their degree plan and all that, but I never did. I was blessed to have amazing coaches in my life. Um, at I went to school at Burbank, and um, so I had Coach Camacho. I had uh, Yamlet Garcia. She's the head volleyball coach at O'Connor. Um, I had Julia Castillo. I mean, Nancy Fajan. A, a lot of – she played at Incarnate Word. I was blessed to always be coached by amazing um, women. And, um, you know, then I, when I went on to school, I, ha- I had a great coach in Shane Warwick. Um, we played at Northern State. So um, he was coached by Don Meyer. It doesn't get any better than that, you know. So I, I've been just truly blessed and followed that journey, and I never wanted anything else but to do this. 
Um, so I was born and raised in Houston. Um, and when I was younger, I don't really know why, or well, I guess I kind of do know why, but I wanted to be an obstetrician. I just wanted to be the first thing that baby saw when they came out. I don't know. That's what I remember. But when I got to middle school, I actually picked up a basketball in seventh grade or sixth grade at the tryouts and learned how to do a layup. And once I started playing basketball, I knew I wanted to be around it forever. So that's when it changed. And I remember my dad telling me <laughs> that I didn't want to be a coach. I was just, I didn't know any better, um, but that didn't change my mind. Um, so I actually was coached by a lot of males and I was a sponge. And it's so funny because that's why uh, Coach Corrales used to always say, be a sponge, be a sponge when I worked for her. <laughs> and um, I was a, definitely the definition of a sponge. Um, whatever they told me to do, I was doing it. I was working on it extra. Um, so being really coachable had just helped me to be successful. And so um, I got to San Antonio um, by way of Incarnate Word. Um, so I went to college there. I played there for four years and then I was blessed to be able to be Angela Lawson's varsity, uh, varsity assistant, <laughs> um, <laughs> graduate assistant for three years. <laughs> um, and then Coach Corrales found me and that's a funny story in itself. <laughs> um, I actually got her number. I got, who did, whose number did I get? I got Laura Garza's number. From, she was at Taft at the time. I got her number from Treva and then um, come to, came full circle and Treva called me and was like, hey, um, can you get a health certification? I need an assistant. My interview, <laughs> I can let her tell that story. It was great, but it was really bad. But she took a chance on me and here I am now at Clemens. <laughs> um, just finished my second year. We made the playoffs finally. They had made it in four years. So, but um, just been a blessing to work for her and then to have this opportunity as well. So um, had some good guidance. I think uh, dads might have something in common with what your dad told you because my dad, when I said, well, I want to be a teacher coach, he was like, yeah, you're crazy. You're not going to make any money. And uh, that's not what I want for you. So it must be a theme with dads not wanting their daughters to <laughs> go into the education. I don't think I can't hear you coach. I can't hear you either. I thought it was just. Can you hear me now? Okay. Yes. I forgot I muted it because my, my, my mastiff started barking. You know, I don't have cows, but I got big dogs, and so they're, they're being a pain. I'm sorry. But it sounds like you're, you're a big sponge, and you kind of soaked everything in, and, uh, and I'm really interested to hear that interview story another time uh, away from the camera. <laughs> um, and, and Coach Corrales, uh, talk about your coaching journey a little bit. I know uh, Nia talked about hers a little bit. Well, um, I'm starting 24 years, so i got like six years to retire, so I'm super excited about that. Um, but I started uh, in 97, and I did one year at the middle school level, Pat Neff was Northside. Man, that was a nightmare. I just thought, uh, this is not for me. And um, the next year, my second year um, coaching, the principal that I had in high school actually called me and asked me if I wanted to come. Uh, he was going to have a position there open. And so at 22 years old, uh, I was the head coach at Burbank High School. Uh -huh. And I was there for about five years. Um, we went from, I took over the program that had two wins. And then we, the, that first year I was there, we had 11. And then we just kept going up from there. And, and we ended up being district champs the first time ever in school history or second time, because the first time was with me my senior year. 
And so that, that was the second time um, that they had ever won district in that. And it was awesome to do it because I was the coach of that team. Yeah. So um, I just thought that, you know, I had been through that school and I, and I knew what the kids were capable of if they were willing to put in the work. Um, South side or not, um, yeah. you know, if they invest it, they'll get a return. And it was just convincing them of that and changing that culture. And then we made the playoffs uh, three years in a row. And then no disrespect to, to that school or those kids, because I think I got everything I could out of them. But I just felt like there was no – we weren't going to get any further than that. Mm-hmm. First round, second round of playoffs. So then – um, you know, I heard Coach Camacho at a track meet, and she was talking about she was going to go to Wagner and open up the new high school. And I was sitting there eavesdropping, <laughs> and I, when I had her alone, I said, "Hey, Coach, I would love to be your assistant." And she said, "You're crazy." She's like, "You're doing awesome things at Burbank, and um, you know why would you want to leave that?" And I said, "Because I feel like I've gone as far as I can go." And I want to learn from the best. And, and I know y'all have a great opportunity to get to the state tournament. And that's where I want to be. And I want to learn how to get there. So all in all, um, she ended up hiring me again. Here comes my dad into play. (laughs) He was so upset. And he was like, you're crazy. Um, I can't believe you're going from a head coach to an assistant. And I took a $10,000 pay cut. And I actually had to move back in with my parents. I had to give up my apartment. And I, I, I sacrificed for a while. Uh, it was really hard. But like as Nia said, you know, to be a sponge, I, I would be in practice writing down drills. And Tina would get so mad and say, stop writing my stuff down. <laughs> but I still have it all written down. I'd write it all down because I wanted to know. And, and sure enough, uh, we had a great – group of kids, uh, Jessica Summers, um, Monique, um, there, uh, we had Roberson, um, we had Brianna Brock, um, it was just incredible, incredible athletes. And we made it to state. And then, you know, once we made it to state, I couldn't get enough. It was like, okay, I, I, I have to try to do this as well as a head coach and, and try to do it every year. And so, um, five years later, from Wagner, Judson opened up, and um, I got the position. And then from then on, I was just on a mission to uh, to turn that program around, hire the best people I could, and and try to bring something back to this city. You know, that was my mission. You know, uh, you talk about that first year as a uh, uh, middle school coach, and it yeah. was pretty rough. And then you know, uh, making the decision to leave Burbank after your head coach. Um, what would be some advice you'd give some younger coaches, uh, you know, looking to improve or, or, or maybe kind of stuck somewhere and looking at uh, opportunities? Any advice you'd give those guys and gals? Well, you know, when I got the head job at, um, at Burbank, um, I remember um, the athletic director at the time, um, Mickey Hudson was her name, and she told me, we were just sitting talking. She was like, what are your aspirations? What are your dreams? And I told her, and um, she said, you know, don't ever stay in a place more than three to five years if that's not where you want to ultimately be. And um, 
you know, I really, I, I always remembered that. And, you know, I, I was at Burbank for six, but then I was Wagner for five. And, you know, I think you get the most you can out of that program and then you keep on moving till you can find a home. And I would say for the younger coaches, like don't get caught up in the money because we all know that's not what it's about. And, um, you know, if, if you can learn and contribute and, and help other programs, I mean, do it. Uh, you, sometimes I think we're scared that we won't make it, but you will make it. You, you, the money will come or the resources will come or people will help you. Uh, you'll find a way and it'll happen for you. I think God will take care of you in that respect. And you just got to have a little bit of faith. Absolutely. So you, you talk about that uh, state championship run. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, were you on staff at the time, coach? Neil? Missed it by a year. Missed it by a year? Mm-hmm. Well, she, was on the, she, was on the, she was on the run, like when we first, when we first made it to state, she was there. Okay. Yeah. I was part of the run. Uh, so talk about just building up to that, you know, that, that, that beginning of the run all the way to, to capping it off with a state championship. You know, maybe some of the, uh, some of the things that stand out and, and that are most memorable to you two. I think it would have to be for me, the kids. Um, we had some interesting groups um, and mixtures and personalities of people that on paper, maybe you look at us and you're like, no, not Judson. But um, I always call Treva the cheat code because if you have her, you always have a chance to win. She always laughs. But I mean, she puts everything into a season. Yeah. I mean, everything. And like, it's hard not to do it yourself. Like, I don't know. I, I, and she also let me feel like it was my team too. So it, the buy-in, the dedication was easy to do. But I think the kids um, for me would have to be the most memorable. Um, other things I can think of were like um, being somewhere that we hadn't been before. Like I enjoyed going to, we went to Laredo that first year and that was fun for the tournament. I mean, the trips, I really just like the, um, the being able to be the relationships. I'm a relationship coach. So mm-hmm the relationships for me were the most memorable. And so I also got to celebrate with them when they won because I had built those relationships, <laughs> you know, so I know. You're a big part of the process, coach. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, she, as, as well as players that came before the, the girls that did it, um, you know, Nia was a huge part of that foundation. She helped change that culture and build it and it was as much as my team as her team and i remember coming out of that tunnel when we won and the first person i can see right there is nia and uh you know and i wish that that you know i mean i'm happy she became a head coach in her own right she deserved that but gosh i wish i could have had her there on staff as well you know so that she can reap the rewards of all that hard work she did but you know, a medal on a wall doesn't necessarily mean you're a champion. And mm-hmm. I think she's a champion for sure. Thank you. I, pre- I appreciate you saying that. No, Nia, <laughs> uh, um, on your end, you know, I, I'm sure you kind of had a feeling, you know, I'm, I have an opportunity to become head coach, but I'm, I'm pretty sure these Judson girls have a chance to, to, to win it all or have an opportunity, you know, but you kind of still have to look out for your career and, and take those opportunities. You know, what were some of the things that you were kind of, you know, toying with in your head at the time? Um, That was one of the hardest decisions that I had to make, but kind of like what Treva said, like um, it was time. Um, And not that I just wanted to leave, I was ready to get out, but 
Um, I felt like Clemens was a good opportunity for me when it came down to it. And so to miss that opportunity and stay for one more year and then I'd be looking again. I mean, you know, it's, it was, it was a tough situation and it was even tougher having to tell the girls yeah, <laughs> that but... was, it happened during the summer too. So that was even worse. It was just, it was a lot, but um, my sister actually was working for Treva at the time. So I really got to be a part of the ride. Uh, I had to sneak my red shirts underneath my blue, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> my Clemens athletes understood where I was coming from and what that meant. Um, but it also gave them something to look forward to because I've had to change the, or we're working on changing the culture completely over here as well. So, you know. Well, it sounds like you're doing a great job. I mean, the playoffs uh, and the whole deal. So keep it up. Thank you. And uh, Coach Corrales, you know, talk about some of your memories from that, that season. From the championship season? The championship season, yes, ma'am. Um, you know, I, I think that for um, a, a while, about the previous three years, I knew that we had a shot. Mm -hmm. And uh, because we had some incredible athletes, you know, Kira White, her freshman year, um, you know, we were talking about, you know, like coaches talk to their kids about goals and that. And she just said, coach, I'm going to, we're going to win a state championship. And I said, well, I'm glad we're on the same page and we better. And, you know, we got close and, and then we got, you know, se semi uh, or finalists. And then, you know, we lost um, in the championship game and, then we came back and won it. And I remember after we lost, I mean, it was like up by 12, what, three minutes left in the year or something? Uh -huh. Three minutes. <sighs> I mean, that that was hard. That's another whole story in itself. Yeah. But oh, yeah. you know, the first thing we could all think about was um, the next season. And we usually come back and we give the kids off till after spring break and, you know, give them some time, collect uniforms and wash them and, the next day, everybody was in the gym. Uh, we are in the gym. We were working hard. I was looking at film. I was watching it, um, you know, because I, I did things. Obviously, I'm not perfect. And, you know, there's things I should I felt like I could have done better. Mm -hmm. And I think that just to come back that year, uh, to come back and win it after everything with, that we went through uh, was so special. And the kids were so special. And, you know, you don't really know till you're in it what it takes to win a state championship because everything has to go right. Like every single round of the playoffs has to be perfect from their health to their grades to um, is anyone bothering them that's, that's their, their boyfriend or yeah. whoever they're dating. And there, there's so many things that you have to manage. And I don't think people truly understand that. Some people just think, oh, it's just another game. But the game is actually the easy part. It's the stuff in between that's the hard part. Mm -hmm. And for them to manage them, because like Mia said, they were characters. They were, <laughs> uh, you know, I think the greater the talent, like the greater the problem sometimes because they're just so big-headed sometimes. And, yeah. you know, you have to manage stars at the high school level and parents and even fans and the critique. And, um I think you have to be a really good manager as well as a, a really good coach. So um, to finally win it all, you know, a lot of people give me a hard time. And they're like, man, you cried like a baby. 
but you don't understand the emotions of, you know, that was 20 years plus of trying to win a state championship just for me alone. Not to mention all the people that had my back and were rooting for me because it had never been done here locally. And I felt the pressure and, you know, but to have all that and hold it in and, and then try year after year, put your heart and soul every single day into it. Um, it was like <laughs> the, the floodgates were open, right? And I just didn't care. I didn't care what anybody thought or what anybody saw. I was just, that was just my raw emotion. And um, to be able to give those kids and the coaches that memory, I, I know that they'll remember that for the rest of their lives. And, and that will continue the cycle of producing great parents, great people, great athletes. I, I think that contributes to that as well. So um, just doing it for them and the community is probably the best feeling ever. Oh, I could, I can only imagine. And you, know, you gave me goosebumps, uh, you know, talking about <laughs> it, you know, just not just about the winning, but just the emotion behind doing it with, uh, with your, with your girls and your staff and, and the community behind you, all the support that you've had over the course of your career and you know, getting it done and the emotions behind it. That's, that's beautiful stuff, you know, and you talk about managing, you know, athletes and, and personalities. And so I think, uh, you know, just the comparison, you know, people think Phil Jackson had a really easy job and really, you know, the easy part was probably, like you said, the game, you know, let yeah. Mike and Scotty and Pip and uh, Rodman and those guys do what they do. You know, but managing all those personalities off the court, you know, you know, it can be tough. It can be yeah, tough. most definitely. I think that, um, you know, I, I think the kids have to really trust you. And this is when, you know, when he was talking about relationships, I think that I think what a lot of younger coaches don't understand and, and they'll look at me and, man, how can you talk to your kids like that? Or why do they work so hard for you? And this and that, I think, if you build that relationship off the court with them, you can tell them anything you want on the court because they're going to trust you. They've already bought in. um, And they know, you know, that it, it, when you do get on them, they know it's not personal. It's just about their performance that you still love them. And and I think that when that connection is not there, you run into a lot of problems, not just with the kids, but with their parents too. Mm -hmm. I think that was one of the biggest things that I took from, Treva um, as my head coach and brought it over to Clemens um, because you have to, in order for them to care what you know, they have to know that you care. So um, that kind of made my job coming in a lot easier to work on building those relationships first. And it takes time, but it's worth it. And to me, it's, it's the most important thing because if you don't get past that, then like you said, everything you know basketball-wise, it doesn't matter to those, to those kids. You know, and then when you do get on them, they know it's coming from a place of love. You know, you can be as hard as you want, you know, if you already have that pre-existing relationship, for sure. You know, and talking about what you said earlier about being so close before and then finally getting it, again, it reminds me of an, of an NBA, you know, parallel of with, when the Spurs, when they when they lost to the Heat and uh, they were rolling out the trophy and Allen hits that shot and, and it was just real devastating. And then they just came back the next year and just absolutely – you know, put on this beautiful display of basketball and uh, kind of similar, just kind of popped in my head right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember watching TV and I was even like, 
they're putting out the ropes. Like, don't do that. Uh, it was so taboo. Um, but I do recall that. It, I mean, uh, you can act, react, I think, either way. Uh, you know, some people will say, well, we tried, and that's it. And some people will be determined and competitive to want to do it again. And I think that's what we did. You know, we, I, you know it's silly, but some people say, you know, you got to stay – hungry and and i felt like we were past that level of hungry we were starving like every round that we won um you would think we'd go into the locker room and it would be all crazy and exciting those kids were sitting there putting their shoes on getting their bags ready to go like there was no excitement no joy no um you know we're happy to win they were just high fives let's go next round i mean just Mm -hmm. a business trip Sure. Every single round, it was it was awesome. When we won the regional um, tournament, and I was excited. I mean, we beat a good Clark team, and and then um, it was like nothing, nothing. They were just sitting there. <laughs> they're um, they were determined for sure. And they had been there before, you know. And they they were locked in. That's that's awesome to hear, you know, yeah. from the inside of the locker room. You know, what are some of the the things like you said? Things have to go kind of perfect in the season you know what are some of the things that that were obstacles that you guys had to overcome getting to that point um well you know without divulging too much information um you know we had some relationship issues um on our team and you know sometimes their egos get in the way of who wants to score and who wants the ball but hopefully by that time everybody knows their roles but sometimes those roles um, get forgotten about when you're in the moment and some kids just, they, they might get a little selfish, you know, um, or they might get their feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, I think there's their emotions and I tried as much as possible to keep them away from everybody else. Yeah. So it's like when we started the playoffs, if you're dating someone, stop dating somebody. If you're on social media, get off of social media. If, you know, you are staying on your phone all night, like put it up. Just just give me, you know, six weeks. Yeah. And um, I just try to kind of keep them with me as much as possible and um, away from everybody else because that's where the contamination comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, people start feeding their heads and they start reading stuff and, on social media and hey coach did you see what they said about about so i'm like guys you know let it go who cares you know people talk about you every day you just don't know it yeah. so uh, leave it alone and and just trying to if i could lock them in and have a, a school locking for <laughs> all those weeks i would but it's just keeping them away from everybody else and until we're done and i know like some nba teams will go to a hotel you know even when they're in championship runs and they'll just stay in a hotel. They won't even let them stay at home yeah. um, just to kind of isolate them and, and keep them focused. Let's talk about some impactful moments in y'all's careers where, um, where this kind of goes much deeper than basketball, where it's, it's more relationships, you know, helping kids because what we do is not for the money you know, or, or, or anything like that. It's more about, you know, like you said, building those relationships. Good you. Um, I was just thinking about like personally for me, um, and made me want to give more was, um, 
when I was getting recruited to college, mm-hmm. it was my last high school game and we lost. And Coach Lawson at Incarnate Word, she came to watch somebody else play, like in the game before me. And um, she stayed for our game and liked me. And I remember thinking that, because I, I got to say, let me give you some background though. Relationships are a big deal. And this is another reason why not just Treva, but when I was getting recruited for college, the assistant coach um, for Incarnate Word, she called me and I was like, Incarnate who? Like, I don't know where this school is being from Houston. And, but she would call me and she was pretty persistent and she would talk to me about like my prom dress or I can remember this because they talked to me about stuff that wasn't just basketball and not just school, but they like, they tried to get to know me. And anybody who knows Angela Lawson knows that she's not just this talkative person, but she's the reason that I went to Incarnate Word um, because of the relationship that we built through the recruiting. Um, And Another reason that I wanted to coach is because I wanted to help kids get to the right fit. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I got the right fit because um, I was able to be the, I'm the all-time leading scorer at Incarnate Word and I'm in the Hall of Fame class of 16 and Treva came to my ceremony. <laughs> awesome. Um, but I got the right fit and so good things happened. And then Lawson ended up helping me. She was my uh, reference for to be Treva's assistant. So... Mm-hmm. Like the relationship is bigger than just, oh, she's my college coach, but she's helped me out in life. My child has met her and taken pictures and they have a good time at games. Um, Just relationships are a big deal for me. So I really push that in everything. And you're not gonna be besties with everybody, I got it. But just taking the time to build a relationship is really important. And good things can happen when you have the right ones. Absolutely. Coach Corrales? Um, well, you know what? What I think that the, the great moments for me are, besides the winning, is um, when these kids sign on that dotted line to go to the next level. Um, just because I know I'm a part, just a part, because, you know, I love them playing AAU, and I know their parents have worked with them since they were kids, and but just to be a part of that dream and to see um, all their emotion and the excitement to play at the next level is amazing. I mean, I can't even tell you how many kids that I've had from every level, um, from JUCO to all the way to D1 that have signed. And um, that's not just at Wagner and Judson. It's, it was also at Burbank. You know, I had kids that went on to play there and, for them to think um, I don't have a chance or I'm not as good, and then for them to actually get that scholarship, man, that is like one of the best feelings ever. And to see um, how happy their parents are and how proud they are, uh, man, it just gets me inside because, you know, I can't imagine being a parent and, and having that, besides the fact they're going to get their school paid for, (laughs) I wouldn't have to pay for it, but to see them succeed and have your child's dreams come true. And for me as a coach to be able to watch that, um, it's like the best feeling for me. For sure. And you're, and you're building those bonds for a lifetime. And, you know, it's, even though, like you said, it's a small part, 
uh, in their journey, you know, but those bonds, they, they last forever. It's, it's wonderful. You know, before we go for the day, you know, the name uh, Bryce Wisdom, when you hear that name, uh, what, what comes to mind, you know, and what could, what could people learn from, from a young man like Bryce? Man, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard uh, to not get emotional, but Bryce was, man, every good word you can think of, uh, that was him. I mean, he was kind. He was humble. He was caring. He was loving. I mean, no matter what he went through, he never complained. You can look, you can go back and look at every single interview. You can see every single picture. And he's smiling, and no matter how life, how hard life hit him, he was just going to take it and and get in, make the most out of it. And what he taught us is what you know. People say live like Bryce, and like a lot of adults need to live like Bryce, not just kids. Um, so there's a lot of adults out there that that are not you know living like Bryce. They they're so consumed with their political views or their religious views or the differences. And Bryce was more about what do we have in common? Mm -hmm. And Bryce was more about, I love you. And, you know, I want you to love me in return. And for a kid who didn't say a lot and just smiled, um, he was infectious and contagious. And he is someone that, um, I already think in my head, like when I when I want to do something or not do something, I think, what would Bryce do? <laughs> and then obviously it changed my mind because I was thinking the wrong way. <laughs> but um, he's just, and it's not just Bryce. Let me tell you that because I, I do text with his mom. He has incredible parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, his mom and dad are the type of parents that um, – should be in the definition, the definition in, in, in a dictionary of what great parenting is. Um, they let their kids live their lives, you know, they're supportive, they love them. Um, and, and you look at Bryce's brothers, um, all tremendous human beings, um, all assets to society, great athletes, loving, just like Bryce. Um, so when they say the apple doesn't fall far, it's very true in that respect. And um, Bryce is just something, somebody that um, that I've never met anybody like him, you know. And, and I kind of talked about this earlier, but you know, when you think about when when you pass and you become an angel in heaven, and and you think about all the possibilities of what that may look like and feel like, I truly believe that was Bryce here on Earth. Like he was just even to be around him, to touch him, to talk to him, it was, it was angelic. And, um, that's how he, that's how he was in my eyes, you know, and, and um, and he'll be missed so much. Beautifully said, coach. Nia? I don't know how to follow, say anything after that, but, um, <laughs> my, sister, <laughs> my sister and I were talking about, um, what lived like Bryce meant today, actually. And, um, I just remember thinking like being a fighter through all things, um, hitting every obstacle and just continuing to push through. And even um, just being able to smile no matter what comes up 
Because um, I mean, there could be a lot of worse things happening. And so to be able to push through things, even though they, they get a little hard, um, it was just, it's one of those things that's like something to live by. It's not just, oh, I want to be like this little boy, but like, what was he about? And it's the deeper meaning. Um, I didn't personally know Bryce, um, but everything about him always touched my heart. Like Trina said, like that angelic kind of feeling, like um, I always got a, like, I always got a soft spot. I don't know. I had this feeling like I wanted to be around him or I wanted to, to see him, but because he was always smiling and he was always positive. And so um, that's live like Bryce to me. I just, I don't know. Even on his deathbed, he still had one more smile to give us. Yes. It's crazy, you know? It's crazy I, to think about that. I was telling Trevor earlier that, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't know him either, you know, but you feel connected uh, through his journey and, and you get to kind of follow him and, and you see what kind of uh, positivity he's emitting out to the world. And especially in a time mm -hmm. like now where there's so much negative out there and, and it has such a bright spot, you know, like – to watch Bryce go through his battle and, and do it with a smile and do it courageously, you know, I think we can all learn a little bit for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, coaches, I really do appreciate y'all taking some time out. Um, you know, I, like I said, I didn't want to keep you too long, but I appreciate your time for sure. I wish y'all the best of luck this season. You no, know, praying that we get to have a season and everything <laughs> goes well. Yes. I hope so. That's for sure. I, I may lose my mind if we don't. For real. <laughs> yeah, no, we need it. We need it, and I think our kids need it. They need that outlet uh, uh, for sure. Well, if y'all need something along the way, you know, don't hesitate to ask. Thanks for doing this, Coach. I appreciate it. Yes, thanks for having me. But y'all have a good day. Stay safe, stay healthy, and, and I wish you guys the best. Thanks, Coach. Thanks. Thank you. Bye -bye. All right, bye.